And if you would like to follow today's reading under the theme of God the Good Shepherd, then please turn to the reading on the screen to Jeremiah chapter 23. And if you have a church Bible, the page number is there to help. Hear the word of the Lord. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away, and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, or will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In this day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. So then, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt. But they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of the countries where they have been banished. Then they will live in their own land. Thanks be to God. Well, for those who are joining us this morning, for the last two Sundays of this new year, we have been thinking about God through the image of the Good Shepherd. Just as Middle Eastern shepherds go ahead of their flock and don't bully them from behind, so God graciously goes ahead of us and he guides us, as we heard last week from Psalm 23, on safe paths righteous paths. He leads us to places of refreshment and shelter and hope and how we thank God for that. But given that, it is not surprising that from the earliest times in Israel and indeed more generally in the ancient Near East, the national leaders were themselves often given the title of shepherd The kings, the priests, the nobles appointed by God were to reflect God's care and protection to be under shepherds. 
And throughout Scripture, the bottom line of leadership always is that leaders are to care as God cares. This theme this morning is particularly entitled Bad and Good Shepherds. A headline that you may have seen in the paper this weekend. How did Robert Mugabe get away with it? Zimbabweans looked to the Gambia with envy. And many of us will know the international context this weekend of that. And it doesn't need me to remind you that Mugabe's legacy as a bad shepherd is truly frightening. And what is really frightening is that though this may be an extreme case, it can sadly be repeated so many places across the world today. This morning we come to a remarkable prophecy by a remarkable prophet. And we're only going to have to deal with this briefly, sadly, this morning. Jeremiah had been called by God to address the people of Judah and Jerusalem during one of the darkest periods of their history. And he did so with unswerving faithfulness. His ministry spans 40 years from his call in the 13th year of King Josiah, 626 BC. Now we are about 300 years later than the King David of last week to the fall of Jerusalem in 587 BC. He was known, as many of us know, as the weeping prophet as he saw his world crumbling around him. Judah's national leadership was a disaster. They were anything but conscientious shepherds. The nation was about to witness in the invasion of the Babylonians its greatest tragedy since its birth. And Jeremiah himself was treated as a traitor and was for long periods, it seems, under house arrest. But it is precisely in this darkest of times that the shepherd God speaks. And through this prophet, God speaks in this passage about leadership, about hope, about where our focus should be, all things that Judah desperately needed to hear. And on this Sunday, where we have taken time out to reflect on the last five years and to give thanks to God, and on this particular weekend, where the deacons and elders have been meeting and praying and fasting and talking, we too can hear this morning words of hope, words of uh, encouragement, and words of challenge. And just briefly, I want to summarize this passage under three headings, and there's a fairly full outline in your bulletin, so you can take it away and absorb it more fully. First, the shepherd God promises in such a dark time never to give up on his people. Thank you for your favorite song, Clay. Oh, no. You'll never let go. 
some of them rudely because I sing about half a beat behind, sing, oh no, the pastor's so slow. That's what they sing. But anyway, so anyway, shepherd God who will never let go. And underlining this whole oracle is a crucial premise. It is the truth that whatever they were enduring and however dire the situation, they would still be, they would always be God's own flock. We thought last week with David about that intensely personal and covenantal nature to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And here it is again. Look at verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. Verse 2. The Lord says to the shepherds who tend my people, to tend my people. And verse 3. I myself will gather the remnants of my flock. And indeed it is precisely because the shepherd God so owns his people that he is so angry with leaders who abuse his flock. And it is, of course, a direct reference to the disastrous kings who have abused their position. And if we had time to look back to Jeremiah 22 and before that, we would see the stories of kings who so badly betrayed the people to whom they were asked to lead. The ordinary people had become victims of a terrible betrayal of trust. And notice in this oracle of judgment in, verse 20, in chapter 23 and verse 2, this uh, wordplay, because you have not bestowed care on my people, I will not bestow care, I will bestow punishment on you or as we could put it more colloquially, because you did not take care of my flock, I will, with a rather sinister tone, take care of you. Leaders are to care. I was grateful to somebody before Christmas who encouraged me to read this book, The Road to Character, by David Brooks, a brilliant, highly respected North American columnist. Last year it was the number one New York Times bestseller. And Brooks, who does not write as a Christian, writes about the success he has enjoyed in his life as a leader, and yet he says very winsomely, I have the fear in the midst of my success of losing my own soul. And he then writes a series of short essays about famous public figures. And he asks the question, what is it actually that made these leaders great? And his answer is astonishing. His answer is, they all had humility. They all had the ability to listen and to learn. What God is saying here is that bad shepherds provoke his righteous anger. For the shepherd of Israel jealously guards his people and he will never let us go. And secondly, 
what we read here is the beautiful promise in verse 3 that God will regather his flock. If you have your Bible, look at verse 3. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to thy pastures. Imagine the exiles in Babylon who would become recipients of this prophetic text. What hope would it bring? I have plans for you. I have a future and a hope for you. And I will bring you home. And I will give you the shepherds that you deserve. People like Ezra and Nehemiah and others who would truly shepherd the flock of God. This is the promise. Notice the language of return here in verse 3 hints at an even greater return. In verse 3, there are all sorts of evocative echoes. It says in verse 3 that he promises to bring them back to where they will be fruitful. Surely an echo of the Garden of Eden. To where they will increase in number. An echo of the promise and covenant to Abraham. It is pointing, it seems, to a much greater gathering of God's people, Israel. And indeed... Israel as part, ultimately, of God's church. It is estimated today that 2.3 billion people follow Jesus around the world, many of them gathering today to worship with us. And finally, this astonishing, startling end to the prophecy of a shepherd God who promises one day to come in person. Look at verse 5. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. A royal figure comes into view who will be a descendant of the shepherd King David and who will truly, uniquely, perfectly tend God's flock. If you turn back, if you have your Bible, to chapter 22 and verse 30, this is what God says to King Jehoiachin. He says, none of your descendants will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. The line of David is so corrupt that is now being axed by the divine forester. But here, just a few verses later in chapter 23, in this seemingly hopeless situation, from this seemingly dead stump comes a new shoot, a new branch, a righteous branch, a totally unexpected branch. Here is the promise of an ideal king and shepherd. How strong is the contrast between the bad shepherds who he's been talking about 
And here is language and here is thought that would feed and shape the hope of Judaism for a Messiah. And here for us is the amazing picture of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. He will be just and he will be righteous and his reign will bring, verse 6, the full blessing of salvation. Now imagine being in exile, despairing, depressed, crushed, and reading these beautiful words. Surely goodness and mercy will follow all the days of your life we were thinking about last week. And now fill that out. I will not abandon you. I will bring you home. And in the darkest of valleys, I will come in person to rescue you and to vindicate you. And in the final two verses, the excitement is underlined. You may look back to the defining moment of your history as the exodus when God delivered. There is going to be a greater exodus. It will be the exile people returning and it promises to be more. And for us living as we do in the messianic age, as now we come to end this service around communion, we celebrate all that Jeremiah was pointing to, the exodus achieved by the death of Jesus, the exodus achieved by the good shepherd laying down his life, the saving of ourselves from slavery through Christ, and pointing to a renewal of all creation and that ultimate gathering of the flock of God.